Desiring Brethren podcast, where three brethren boys attempt to have discussions about stuff. And fellas, recently I've created a spectrum on how we decide what we talk about. So on this spectrum, at the really top, think of this at the top, it's things that matter. So things that really matter are like the Oilers, Marvel movies, And DiCaprio winning an Oscar. Not so much. Those are things that really matter. And then on the the step below that is things that kind of matter. So like weather, politics, mm. and Dave's beard. Yes. And then hey, yeah, yeah, you see that there, right? <laughs> so there's things that really matter, things that kind of matter, and then things that don't matter. And beneath that, you'll find that desiring brethren. <laughs> are you sure we're not in like the the doesn't matter? Are we are we that low? Yeah, I don't think we even fit to a space between the kind we of need more be- matter. If we did more beard talk on the podcast, yeah. maybe we'd move up. Yeah, I think so. That's actually a good point. Dave, can, can you scratch your <laughs> yeah. can you scratch your beard into the mic for us? Are you, are you, you, you Oh, that is something. <laughs> we're moving up in the world, guys. All right, progress. Incrementally, we're moving up at least. Anyways, my name is Jackson O'Brien, and I'll be kind of guiding this topic wherever it leads us, and the other guys are... Hello, I'm David Short. And I am Tanner Hawks. And uh, we've been talking about a few things within this podcast, and and one of the big distinctions within the Brethren denomination is the aspect of communion. And there's a lot of things that can flow from that. There's a lot of pieces to talk about. But for now, we're going to treat one specific piece of communion within the Brethren tradition, and that pertains to frequency that we have communion. Because for those of our listeners who are familiar with us Brethren folk, we love to do communion every single week, week in, week out. And there are reasons behind that, and those reasons should be explored to some degree. So Tanner or Dave, or Tanner and Dave, explain... Why, if you think it is important to have communion once a week, once every two weeks, once a month, heaven forbid, once a year, yeah. what are your thoughts, initial thoughts on this? I, off the top of my head, as a good old brethren boy, I, I like doing uh, communion once a month. Or, whoa, whoa, I just messed up there. <laughs> wow. Whoa! Oh, that we recorded that. We recorded that. That's going to be my ringtone from now on. It's just Dave's voice saying, we like to do communion once a month. We like to do communion once a month. Um, Have it in auto-tune and everything. Nothing worse has ever happened. Oh, sending it to the elders I, I really like communion once a week. That's what I said the first time. I, yeah. Okay. What are your reasons? You just like it? Um, well, yeah, I do really like it. Uh, sometimes I even enjoy the communion service more than our, we have like the communion at our church. We have the communion service, which is like a sharing and then having communion. And then we have a service that is the traditional sing songs and have a sermon. Uh, sometimes I enjoy the communion service even more than the worship service. And I guess as to more of a reason, uh, 
Bible says whenever you meet together, have communion. So our hmm. our church body, as it is, meets together as a whole group, have communion. Tanner, what are your initial thoughts? Well, this is like confirmation bias. Like you grew up in a tradition that had it once a week. And so you've decided once a week is best or biblical or correct. Hmm. Where there's no there's no biblical evidence that you can point to that someone else can't right. like you have no foundation that somebody else doesn't. Oh yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Explain that. Yeah. I don't know. It, you obviously can take it any way you want, but exactly. <laughs> our church, like, Whatever definition of church you want to use, or whatever, like Capilano, like our church. Dave, when you try to be like postmodern, you just sounds so like you hate the sound of your own voice. Yeah, I really whatever definition, whatever it. church. <laughs> the ch- the church community that is our church. We meet together once a week for the specific purpose of, um sort of refocusing or like let's let's reflect on the week and let's turn our eyes to God which we should be doing all the time but let's like like let's make this a corporate mm-hmm. um, just a corporate getting back to God and refocusing and with that is sort of it, it seems more formal like when Jesus is up in the room with his disciples right like a formal setting of hey we're here let's we're together let's let's uh, Jesus up in the room and the disciples was meeting in a home and breaking bread with people in a tiny setting. Yeah. Maybe some people have small churches. No, but I mean like people would use that argument to be like, therefore, when we meet in each other's homes, we should do communion. And you you have used that to say, and therefore, Capilano's 200-person service where there is somebody who chairs the meeting and we get up one by one and speak. That's exactly what Jesus was talking about. Like if people, if people want to do it more, go all all by all power to them. But like when your church body is having a meeting that is like, Hey, we are all meeting and we are all meeting to focus on Jesus and to, and to learn about him and to encourage and build up one another why would you not then use that as one of the opportunities to, hey, we're meeting together. We're supposed to remember him in this way. Why not? Like if you want to, if when you have friends over who are Christians, you want to have communion, all the power to you. But I don't know why you would not do it when you're actually having like an official church meeting. I don't want to be too contentious. So you, I'm like, too late. Pause. I'm hesitating. <laughs> Tanner, Tanner, then how about let's uh, let's just pretend that Dave's right, and then we'll we'll enter into a space of like Tanner. What do you? No, no, we'll, 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 I have a feeling we might come back to it. So Tanner, why do you? Why do you? Uh, why do, or do you think it's important that we have? Community? I don't want to live in this fake world where Dave is right. This is a terrible world. Join it's us. Impressive. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, so, Dave, your argument would be it's okay to have communion more than once a week, but it's not okay to have it less? 
I'm saying, like, what is Sunday? Like, I, I don't get why on a Sunday where you have the entire church body meeting to remember Jesus, that you aren't doing this thing where he says, remember me in this way. What do you think, Jack? I, like this comes down. No, I don't want to open up that thing. Open it. Okay. Prescriptive or descriptive? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Close it. Close it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's, Maybe, maybe I got like, there's just this passage that I come to that Acts 20 verse seven on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them. Yeah. So that, that reminds me of like, that may not say like meet once a week or it referring to how many times you're supposed to meet and when you meet, like break bread. But I think that there's something about like when the people of God, when the disciples come together, when Christians meet, that that communion happens. And there, I think you're right. Like there's no, I don't know if you can create a biblical argument that says like you have to have it like every single time. But I think that this is one of the foundational pieces that shape the Christian church is communion. But then by your argument you have no reason why you wouldn't do it when you lead your Bible study midweek. Like somebody could point to you guys and be like, Hey, I do it every time we meet. And I think you guys do it wrong by doing it once a week. Like if you get into that train of thought, the conclusion of it is there's no reason why you don't do it the other times. I don't know. I don't know if I came across at the beginning of like thinking that people that do it once a month or once in ten years or whatever are are like that's so wrong. Um, but I would say why not when you're meeting, and then as to the point of like a weekly Bible study as well. Um, yeah, like like I said earlier, if you want to do it more, all the power to you. Um, no, but you just said. But my argument to the people that do month ago, once a month is why not do it when you're meeting? Those are your words. So Mm -hmm. I just don't understand why you aren't applying it to the way that you don't do it. The the midweek. Yeah, that's a fair point. Like, I just think, I think you're arguing from your norm. Oh, okay. Okay. I see. You know, that, that's probably pretty fair. Sometimes we have done communion at Bible studies, but yes, it's not, it is not the norm. I mean, I, I don't think I'm against it, and I grew up in a tradition that did it once a week, and since then I've been in churches that do it once a month, and in churches that do it maybe four times a year. I think there's something about being brethren that um, I think there is a little bit of superiority over other traditions. That we do it once a week, and that's the biblical way. One one thing that was interesting to me was I was also part of a another Anabaptist church in Calgary that they they are a once a month communion folk, and the, one of the youth pastor was sharing the devo on it before the the church would partake, and he had some. He just like you know 
in our tradition, we don't do, we only do this like once a month, but I'm not sure why that is. And there might be more, you know, there's, there's something to the Bible when it points out in Acts 2.42 that breaking bread is a significant piece of church practice or like that the disciples met, they broke bread. He's just like, I don't know why we do it. We do it and once a month and that's fine, but maybe there's something to doing it more was sort of mm. his wondering. And I really appreciated that. He was like, he was honest, but he was also submitting to his, his church. And I think that's that people might hate that, but I think that's really cool that he's honoring unity before his, his own bias, I think. Right. Uh, I, I I think we already talked about that question, but we're, we're, would there be something, what do you guys do? Because we, because there are churches that, as Hannah was saying that, have it once in a while or once every four months to recharge the significance of it. What do you guys do when it becomes a routine for you? Uh, this is where for me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't understand exactly what they're getting at because I don't believe it's the frequency that makes it routine because some, some Sundays I, I might just be going through motions and some Sundays are not, but I don't think it's the frequency because I could string 10 weeks in a row together where I'm. But you can't see anything in human psychology that would make it less special. Like, I'm just talking from a pure standpoint. Uh, Birthdays are special because they're once a year. If you had a birthday a week, every birthday would be less special. There are certain things we wait for to have less often, and it makes it more special. I'm not... I see that, Tanner. I think that... I have a a point against that. I'm wondering if we could think it through. Is I don't see... I see the Passover, and I see events that initiated the Lord's Supper as being super special and super significant. Like communion is rooted in Israel's history and they celebrate the Passover once a year. Right. But my, my thing is that like he took the common things, bread and wine of his time, not the special, not the sacred, but he gave these everyday things, charged it with significance and spirituality. And so I I don't want to, I don't want to celebrate Christ when it's a special occasion. I want to encounter him in the everyday mundane common things. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've, I mean, honestly, that's what I love most about growing up brethren. Mm -hmm. I mean, I loved doing it week in and week out because I realized, yeah, it is a weekly sustaining thing. It's a cleaning of the slate 52 times a year. It's a, on my bad weeks and my good weeks, I take communion. Like there's something really beautiful about that. Um, I have, I have a one, one question for you guys. This like this communion once a week thing that the brethren churches have established, it lends itself very easily for legalism Mm -hmm. because you're like, this is a tradition. We're going to do it. If you miss it, then I don't know. So my question for you guys, what do you do when you miss a service? Do you feel guilty about it that you miss it? Do you feel, do you, are you okay with missing it? Or, um, yeah, what kind of, what kind of pharisaical effect does it have on you? 
I'm not totally seeing like the legalism of when you miss it, but I would say maybe one thing brethren don't often see is that by separating the services and making it earlier, it, it unconsciously creates tiers of spirituality within the church. There is the third of the church on average that goes to communion and then the rest of the people show up and we all do a service together. Mm -hmm. And I would say that would be the point of legalism. I don't know if that means changing the service order or. Right. But I sort of feel like if the, if it was switched, I don't know if we'd get, we'd get more people coming to the communion service, but I don't know if all the people who came to the 11 o'clock, uh, contemporary service would then come to the 11 o'clock communion service. Oh yeah. I'm not saying that's, that's what would happen. I think the more alienating thing is it's an hour of sitting in silence and having the same 10 people talk in the mic and all that. Like there's that intimidation of this service is not for me. Yeah, I mean, if we want to, like, really get into it, and we don't have to, like, the fact that communion takes place during the service at a Capilano that women almost never talk in, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be open to the entire congregation, and yet 98% of the time it's men talking, and that's how communion is experienced? I don't know if that's a very good thing. What What message does it send that, our communion time, even though it's open to all members, 98% of the time it's men who talk. Right. Yeah, that's a, I think, yeah, it, it, and, and in as much as, in as much as we're not a closed brethren service, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I know it's hard to get over. It would be hard to get over for people to, to come in and be a part of it, even though they know that they're invited. I think that it's an invitation for sure, but it's, uh, it can make f- people feel excluded and, and less spiritual or whatever, whatever happens from that. Yeah. I mean, there's just, you could look at it from like, these people are totally open to do it and we invite them every time, but because people don't, and it is very exclusive, just statistically, or if you did like a right. a case study of one service, I think we have to ask questions about what kind of barriers are we putting up systemically that are making right. our communion services like this. So I would say that would be where, if there were legalism, that's where you would have to look for it in a brethren communion service. I'm not sure I would totally agree. I think a lot of people don't talk because one public speaking is the most terrifying thing in the world. Yeah. Or they don't know what to say. Um, oftentimes I'm like, I don't really know if what I have to say really uh, should be said. And maybe that's a fault or maybe it's not, but yeah, I, I think a lot of people don't talk for more reasons than they feel. I, I don't know. I feel very welcome to get up there and talk, 
but I don't very often. And I think lots of people would find themselves in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm more thinking of like the subconscious type things. Like, for example, we always talk about diversity. You know, if you only have white people on stage doing all the instruments, Mm -hmm. you're going to have less people of color who think about volunteering for it because they've never seen themselves represented there. Mm -hmm. They don't consider it as a space for them. And so they might not tell you, oh, I feel excluded. They just might say like, oh, I'm just not interested. But it's actually because there's that systemic barrier. So it's more, I don't think there's any overt people trying to suppress other people. I just think the reason people don't talk is because there's lots of women who say, oh, I'm fine with not talking. But it might just be because they've learned that women don't talk. Mm. do you know what i'm saying yeah i mean part going to like like racial diversity goes to the bigger issue of just churches clumped like people groups clumped together in the church like most churches will be mostly white or mostly black or mostly um, whatever immigrant group but gender doesn't but gender doesn't clump yeah so at that point it's different gender is almost always 50 percent ish and so, I mean, if you looked at a Kaplan over at communion service and you looked for 10 weeks, I can guarantee you 90% of the speakers would be white mm-hmm. or 95% would be white. 95% would be men. Well, 95% of the speakers would be men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 90% of those would be older men. And so I would say at some point you have to look at and go, why are 95% of our people older white men that talk, even though we say this is open to everybody? What barriers are being put up? I would, I mean, part of it would be, I'll go to the age first. You could almost make the argument that it'd be better if old, well, the the more elderly people are the ones speaking more because <laughs> they are wiser and they should be teaching the younger ones. And you could, you could string an argument up like that. Um, yeah. I, th- I feel like there, I don't know. I'm not a woman. So, but I, my guess would be that there would be a sense of, th- they would sort of feel like it's, Oh yeah. The men speak and we don't, but I also think that a lot of the women, like a lot of the women that are my friends and I know they just don't like speaking in front of a group of people as much anyways. No, no, but they grew up in a church yeah, and where women didn't speak. I mean, it's, it, it feels like it's voluntary, but I'm saying if the results are so skewed, there's something that happened along the way that made it that way. Women don't just naturally, as a gender, want to speak less. Anyway, that's not getting into frequency, but... So, I'm happy that uh, we come to some definitive conclusions. Mm. Once a week, <laughs> bust, uh, only men can speak. Solved and- another problem. <laughs> well, <Check. laughs>
So that's completely untrue. And because we haven't completely solved all the problems, you are welcome by emailing us through our newly created email. Oh, boom. Special announcement. Like, yeah, special effects and sound and stuff. Dave, you're up. (laughs) (laughs) The email is desiringbrethrenpodcast at gmail.com. We'd like to hear your thoughts. and And from all the podcasts that we've done, we, we remember what they are, I think, at least. Tanner's listened to them multiple times. But we would, we, we'll go back on old ones and we'll, we can talk about them too and bring them up in later conversations if you have questions about any of them. So from now on, desiringbrethrenpodcast at gmail.com. At any rate, thanks guys for your thoughts. Any closing things to say? No, Dave's uh, wrong. I'm right. Did you did you grind your axe enough there, Tanner? Or oh, 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 oh. <laughs> found a way to get it to gender again? Did you? <laughs> yeah, I I will be reporting to the elders on all the slander that you guys have done. Gonna oh, Dave, I'm gonna hold that. I'm gonna hold that clip forever over oh. your head. So I don't even you've got know. nothing. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Like, we should auto tune it and put it on YouTube and like that's, oh, just that's, right. the of, that's the stuff of nightmares right there. I'm going to show it to your kids one day. Be like, Daddy? Was that you? See, I'm not letting my kids anywhere near you. Well, it's been fun. Thank you for listening, everyone, and for being a part of something that makes, kind of, at least makes us distinct, distinctly brethren. Um, appreciate your time. I'm Jackson O'Brien. I'm David Short. And I'm Tanner Hoffs. Have a great whatever time of the day you're having. This is a good old brother boy. I I like doing communion once a month. Communion once a month. Communion once a month. This is a good old brother boy. I I like doing communion once a month.